This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and we are one week away from opening day in Major League Baseball. For the last month or so, we've had spring training and we've had um, the World Baseball Classic. We've had all sorts of great baseball, but now we're getting ready for the real thing in Major League Baseball that starts one week from today. So today on Crosstown Crosstalk, we have a lot getting ready for next week because next week's show is opening day. And I'm very much looking forward to the content that we have planned for that day. So today we're going to take a little bit more of a backseat approach. We're going to invite anybody who wants to be in the chat. If you're in the chat and you want to come on and say some things about, you know, what you like about the White Sox or the Cubs or, you know, your favorite baseball team, you want to chime in with a take, a preview for the upcoming season, let's do it. We'll have you, we'll bring you right in. I don't know if anybody's on such short notice going to be able to make it in today, but we're just talking baseball. Today's kind of a, a smooth sailing, one week away from, you know, opening day. Next week, we got big things planned, predictions. We're going to go over every single team in every single division. And, hey, who's going to win the division? Who's going to win the Cy Young? Who do you got for MVP? I'm very much looking forward to next week's episode. But today's episode, like I said, you want to come on and say something? Go ahead. We're very much inviting anyone and everyone to come in and say some words. But if we don't get anyone today, that's okay, because we're going to be going over what happened in the World Baseball Classic to lead off today's show. And I know everybody's getting real excited for what's going on in, you know, Major League Baseball. You got the Cubs coming up on a what they hope is a much more improved season than it was last year. The White Sox are trying to bounce back from what was a rough season last year. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But this World Baseball Classic, I'll tell you what. I loved it, and there was a lot of controversy, and we kind of touched on it last week with Phil Selig of Cuba Dugout. Like, what does the World Baseball Classic mean? What is it for? What's the point of it? Well, in my opinion, there's a lot of reasons for it, and sport competition does mean something when you're representing your country rather than representing a specific team that owns your rights in a league, and there are guys who don't care at all about representing their country. It's all about the team that's paying them and representing the fan base of the team that's paying them. There are some that 
care way more about country pride than anything else too. And so it also helps really grow the game playing a, a tournament like the world baseball classic, where you see countries that aren't necessarily ones that you think of as major baseball countries and you get them involved. You got countries like Italy making a big story. When do you think of the Italians associate them with baseball? That's just not necessarily something that, you know, comes to mind right away all the time. So it it's really interesting to see how it goes. And when we left off last week, on Crosstown Crosstalk with Phil Selig. Team Cuba was getting ready to host the winner of Team USA and Team Venezuela. Well, that following Saturday, Team USA, they put Chicago White Sox starting pitcher Lance Lynn on the mound, and he had a really good game against Team Venezuela. He only gave up two runs in four innings, reached his pitch limit, and they took him out. Um, Then Venezuela started to come back a little bit. In fact, they got out to a two-run lead. And then late in the game, Trey Turner comes up to bat and hits a go-ahead grand slam. And Team USA figures out a way to shut the door, hang on, and move on to play Cuba in the semifinal where it's Team USA versus Phil's Team Cuba. And Team Cuba, they didn't really put up too much of a fight against Team USA. USA kind of beat the brakes off them a little bit. They they. They played very, very well. And Luis Robert and Yoan Moncada leave the World Baseball Classic via the departure of Team Cuba. And Team USA advances to the final where they would then meet the winner of the already clinched um, semifinal squads, Team Mexico and Team Japan. They were, you know, that game was set up before Team USA even beat Venezuela. But then that game ended up finishing first, the first semifinal between USA and Cuba. So now USA is in the championship and they await the winner of Japan and Mexico. Mexico are one of the surprise teams in this tournament, I would say. They played very, very well. Guys like Randy Arozarena just lighting up the world. It's so fun to watch. So entertaining. Electric factory. And Mexico's out to a lead. And they make it where Team Japan's on their heels. And they go into the top of the ninth inning, leading by a final or a score of six to five. And then, of course, Shohei Otani does his thing, gets on base, double. They end up walking off Team Mexico in the bottom of the ninth inning and advancing to the World Baseball Championship does Team Japan in one of the most instant classic type of games you'll ever see. And it was kind of the showdown that everybody was, I would say it was the showdown everyone was hoping for when the tournament first started. Like, yeah, would it be cool if I saw Team Italy make it all the way to the championship on this super unlikely Cinderella run? Yeah, would have. It's just, you know, when it comes to, like, the likely possible matchups, Japan versus Team USA was the cream of the crop, I would say. And I very much am happy that that ended up being the final because it gave us what was another instant classic in the championship game. The championship game played in Miami again, the home of the Miami Marlins. Team USA gets out to a one nothing lead thanks to another Home run from Trey Turner. Trey Turner has been absolutely magnificent in this World Baseball Classic. He is coming to the Philadelphia Phillies this 
offseason as a former member of the Los Angeles Dodgers slash Washington Nationals. You might remember he was part of the big trade, you know, that sent uh, Turner over to the Dodgers from the Nationals. And, you know, just awesome player, awesome player. And probably the best shortstop in Major League Baseball right now, especially in terms of, you know, the offensive production that he brings to the game. And he hits the go-ahead grand slam and or the the go-ahead home run in this game to put the U.S. up one nothing. Then from there, Team Japan starts to slowly inch back and eventually take the lead. A couple solo shots, some good hitting leads to them up three to one going into the later stages of the game. And then later on, Yu Darvish takes the mound for Team Japan and his former teammate with the Chicago Cubs, Kyle Schwarber, comes up. And these two have an epic battle. I'm talking foul home run after foul home run, ball, ball, strike, strike. Kyle Schwarber on the 10th pitch of the at-bat after hitting at least three foul home runs, I would say. You know, a home a ball that goes just to the right of the foul pole, but it had the distance, but it was foul. He had a couple of those. He connects on the 10th pitch of the at-bat and sends it to Pluto. And the U.S. is back within one. So now they're trying to rally the rest of the game. We get to the ninth inning. And in the ninth inning, Team Japan is leading Team USA 3-2. to two. USA comes up to bat in the top of the ninth. And Jeff McNeil is, has pinched hit already for Tim Anderson in the nine hole. And McNeil draws a walk. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, who's pitching for Team Japan? after hitting tanks earlier in the series and making a couple starts and looking absolutely brilliant, Shohei Otani hits the mound. He hasn't closed a baseball game since 2016, so this was his opportunity to do so. And it's kind of weird because they were talking like, oh, how is Shohei going to warm up if he's in the game as a hitter? It's going to be difficult. Well, they found a way to get him warmed up, and he comes into this ninth inning, and he faces Jeff McNeil. He walked him. And... You could kind of see that for that one at bat, Otani might have had a couple nerves going on there. He didn't look like he was throwing his normal stuff. He didn't look like he had his command. You're like, uh oh, is Shohei Otani going to not fold under pressure? Because we've seen him not fold under pressure before. That'll never be a label for that guy. But this was a big moment. Is he going to be able to have his command enough to get three outs without relinquishing one run? Well, up to bat comes the leadoff man in the lineup, Mookie Betts. And Mookie Betts, one of the most dangerous hitters in the world. I would probably say a top 10 most dangerous hitter in the world. And he comes up to bat with one on, no outs, and he grounds out. That's right. Mookie Betts grounded out to you know, second base, and they turn the double play, and there's now two outs. Shohei Otani on the mound. One out away from winning the World Baseball Classic. And who comes up to bat? His Los Angeles Angels teammate. And the guy who's right there with him as the best player in the world, Mike Trout. And Mike Trout comes up to bat. Shohei Otani throws gas. A couple 101 mile an hour pitches. A couple balls. We find ourselves at a full count. And you're thinking to yourself, what is Shohei Otani going to do here? 
Is he going to throw the 101 that Mike Trout wasn't able to come up with? Because if anybody's able to adjust to a pitch like that, it's Mike Trout. And you throw him that 101 gas again for the third straight time, it might be hard to get him to swing and miss on that for a third time. You know, fool Mike Trout once, awesome. Fool him two times, good luck the third time. Well, Otani might have realized that because he went with the slider. He threw the slider. It got over the plate, and he struck out Mike Trout for the chance or for the victory in the 2023 World Baseball Classic. Japan takes down Team USA. That is their third championship in this tournament in the last four tries. The other, the fourth is Team USA back in 2017. But oh, what an ending! You get to the final game with the two teams that are perceived to be the best going into the tournament. And you get the two best players who happen to be teammates on their clubs face off for the final out of the game. You literally couldn't write a script better for it, I don't think. Like, if they wrote a script and they had to follow it for this World Baseball Classic, that's probably what it would have been was Shohei Otani striking out Mike Trout on a full count, two outs, bottom of, or top of the ninth. That's just – that's – the only thing that would have made it better is if it was the bottom of the ninth instead and there was a chance for a walk-off. That's the only thing that would have made it better. But it was one of the most electric at-bats I think I've ever watched playing Major League Baseball. And that goes back to our conversation at the beginning of the episode here. This stuff matters. This stuff matters a lot. And I don't think there's anybody who can argue that this tournament means a lot to a lot of people. And it hasn't come out yet whether or not it's the most watched baseball game ever. They were predicting it would be. Um, That would pass. There was a game earlier when Team Japan played. I can't remember who they – it might have been when they played China in the group play. And it like broke the record for the most watched baseball game ever, which before that was the 1980 World Series. Just absolutely unbelievable how many people took in this tournament and enjoyed it and got exposed to baseball probably. That stuff's important to me. You want as many people watching the game as possible. And I'm just super pumped that the tournament ended up becoming what it was. And people tweeting about it and watching it and – the tweets from Fox Sports, their actual Fox Sports MLB account, I think the video of Otani striking out Trout had 11 million views after an hour. And the final out of the World Series video had like 1 million, I think, if that. I don't even remember what the exact one was, but it was significantly lower than, you know, this video for the world baseball classic ending. And I'm actually going to look right now exactly how many views that the video had. Cause you could just go look right on their Twitter. So as I look this up, I mean, the fact that this is like a conversation that people were poo pooing the world baseball classic, like just cause you don't care about something doesn't mean that, you know, it's not, it's not cool. Your opinion doesn't necessarily, you know, influence everything. If you don't like it, fine. Don't watch it. You know, no one's making you. No one's making you at all. So, 14.2 million views. 
as we stand right now a couple days later. It was at 11 after like a couple hours, an hour. And obviously the 3 million extra that came in are over the next day or so. But which is still a lot in its own, right? If a video gets 3 million views in general, it's nice. They got an extra three over the next day after having 11 in the first hour. People care about this stuff. And I'll tell you what, when the World Baseball Classic returns in 2026, there are going to be more players that go. They're, the pitching staff on Team USA is going to be better because I heard a statistic. Every single pitcher that came, that received at least one Cy Young vote Last year, not a single one participated in the World Baseball Classic. And that's an issue. That's something, you know, I think pitching's a little bit different. You only have X number of bullets in the chamber. So I'm not sure, you know, how much that's going to change. You could take as many swings of the baseball bat as you want. The pitchers, there's a finite number of pitches in every single person's arm. It's different for everyone, but it was nice to see. Shohei Otani, who this is the best player ever. I mean that. Shohei Otani is the best player ever. We will never again see a guy hit this well and also be a superstar pitcher. I, I, I just don't see it. Everybody quits one or the other by the time they're 14, 15 years old. And Shohei Otani hasn't. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what his future holds because you can argue – He's going to get half a billion dollars, I think. He'll be the first player to ever get half a billion dollars in free agency. But you can argue that's an underpayment because if he was just a hitter, he'd be worth 300 mil. And if he was just a pitcher, he'd be worth 300 mil. So if you get him for 500 mil, I honestly, you're getting a bargain on one of the two either the pitching side or the hitting side, or you could say they're both 250 mil and they, they would both be a bargain based on what other players get. And I know talking about all that money, nobody wants to hear the word bargain when talking about that kind of money. Like, yeah, sign me up for a third of that. But it's when it comes to like business and comparing him to his peers, that's, that's how it is. And this is a big year for him because again, he, he risked it. He hasn't made any of that money yet. You know, he's made good, decent money in the MLB so far, but not superstar status stuff, not generational. My grandkids, grandkids, grandkids are set because of me type of money yet. He will, we think, if he stays healthy. But, you know, knowing that that was on the line was really, really cool to see him go risk it and play in the World Baseball Classic. So I think for that... He is going to have the respect of everyone involved. Um, and really quick before we move on, I just wanted to point out if you do, if you do want to come in and say some words and you're watching right now, DM either Aldo or myself at Barroom Network on Twitter, at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. We'll bring you on for a couple minutes. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep rolling the show. This was, you know, this was always designed to be a show where I talk World Baseball Classic and then kind of wrap up spring training a little bit before we have our big opening day show next Thursday, which is really, really fun. I'm, I can't wait for baseball to return. It's just going to be so much fun and the summer is on its way and you got big things going on. The NFL draft is coming up. That's always a good time 
Um, the NHL and NBA are really hitting the stretch runs of their season, you know, 10-ish games left. It's it's good times in sports right now. March Madness starts again today, the second weekend. So it's just – it's been really a good time on the sports calendar. Skyler says can't wait for baseball to be back. I, I couldn't agree more. So it's going to be – going to be fun and next week we will give predictions for those of you just tuning in we will give predictions on every team in the league um where they're going to stand in their division who's going to win each division who do i got for the cy young in each league who do i got for the mvp in each league what are my thoughts on what is aaron judge going to do this season in terms of his production when he coming back to the yankees on the big contract um you know, how, where, what's going to happen with Shohei Otani is if the Angels are clearly not in playoff position by the trade deadline, is he going to get moved? Is he going to sign with the team he gets traded to? Will he end up a Dodger? Will he end up a Met? You know, it's, there's a lot on the table for this season, and I just can't wait to get going. So, and really quick, if you want to read my stuff on the Chicago Cubs, you can go to thewindycity.com. And if you want to read my stuff on the White Sox, you can go to southsideshowdown.com. I have recent stuff on both. Um, moving along into spring train, or no, we're going to re- re- uh, finish off the World Baseball Classic because there is one more note um, on the World Baseball Classic that I wanted to share with everybody. The all-tournament team came out. And the highlight of it for people watching this show, I'm assuming, is Yoan Mankata. He was named to be the third baseman of the tournament, best third baseman to participate in the tournament. Really cool knowing Nolan Arenado was, you know, in this tournament. He's the best third baseman in the world, in my opinion, in terms of what he brings defensively and offensively. So to see Yoan Moncada be so good for Team Cuba at third base, um, that's really, really cool. And another one that Cub fans or Chicago fans might be somewhat interested in, he doesn't play for your team anymore, but he's still probably a Chicago fan favorite forever, and that's Javier Baez. He was named to be the second baseman of the tournament. He played some second with Puerto Rico. So those are the two guys that will get the most intrigue for um, Chicago fans watching. In the tournament, Yoan hit 435, had four doubles, um, one home run, five RBIs, four runs, and a 1.258 OPS. And then for Javier Baez, he hit 368, had three doubles, one home run, six RBIs, four runs, and a 1.052 OPS. Obviously, if those were your regular season statistics for any given week or so, you would be on your way to becoming an MVP candidate or like guaranteed winning the MVP, to be honest, because if you have a thousand OPS, you're, you're right up there. But um, the rest of the all tournament team goes as followed. Hold on a sec. It is Salvador Perez of Venezuela. The Kansas city Royals is the catcher. Yu Chang of Chinese Tape is the first baseman. Javier Baez, of course, of Puerto Rico, uh, second base. Yon Mancada, Cuba, third base. Trey Turner of the United States of America, shortstop. One of the best, you know, players in the entire tournament. That go-ahead home run in the championship game was his fifth of the tournament, so can't argue with that. Randy Arozarena is one of the outfielders, a member of Team Mexico. 
Um, just brilliant electric type player. He kind of reminds me of Javier Baez in a lot of ways in terms of they're both just like magicians with their glove and entertaining with the bat. So really, really cool to see him named uh, Mike Trout of the United States of America. Obviously, seeing Mike Trout on the big stage is not something baseball fans are particularly used to. So that's always fun to see him on this stage like this. Hopefully one day, just one time, one time we want to see him on display in the major leagues. We want to see him playing deep in October, big moments on the line. Hopefully that happens in his prime. I'm not sure it's going to. It's certainly not looking like it's going to be this year, but just just wild. Um, and then to round out the three outfielders, Masataka Yoshida of Japan, just a really, really good player, right? Like so entertaining all, all tournament long. Um, big reason for Japan being in the championship game. The second biggest reason only behind this guy, the guy named as the DH of the tournament, Shohei Otani of Japan. Um, we know what he can do in the tournament. Shohei hit. 435, two doubles, or four doubles, one home run, eight RBIs, nine runs scored, one stolen base, and a 1.345 OPS. Just absolutely insane, insane offensive statistics as a designated hitter. The cool thing is he's also one of the three pitchers of the tournament. Shohei Otani is of Team Japan. He went 2-0 with a 1.86 ERA, three games played, a 9.2 innings pitched and hold on I lost oh two two only two walks and 11 strikeouts so I I'm the type of person who I'm stunned when I see that Shohei Otani did what he did with the bat and then he gets in as a pitcher and does what he does so uh, the other two pitchers named Miguel Romero of Team Cuba and Patrick Sandoval of Team Mexico so that is your all-tournament team from the World Baseball Classic. Perez, Chang, Baez, Mancada, Turner, Arozarena, Trout, Yoshida, Otani, Otani, Romero, Sandoval. Just a wonderful group of players right there. Foster says, Skyler, get on with Vinny and tell him why you can't wait. We like to hear everyone. I mean, the invitation is open, but I understand people work. Skyler's got calls coming up in a few. So, But anybody who wants to chime in, you can, but we're, you know, we're just rolling along talking about baseball. Um, so cool to see Mankata named. Cool to see Baez named. And speaking of Mankata, he has since returned to the Chicago White Sox spring training, which that team moving over. Got to find my statistics. They're about to get a game underway against the San Francisco Giants with Michael Kopech on the mound, who has yet to give up a run in spring training, which is cool. He'll be facing off against Sean Manaya, who has recently moved on to the San Francisco Giants after a wild time uh, with the Padres. And, you know, obviously he was with the A's for a long time. Former White Sox prospect, too. Never really panned out there, but probably wish it would have. Um, he's looking to bounce back in his career, resurrected a little bit with these Giants. But the White Sox... They're they're a team that we don't really know what they look like because of the World Baseball Classic. They sent seven players, so we haven't seen them all in the lineup, but 
Today we'll see Robert back, Luis Robert. He'll be back from the World Baseball Classic. Moncada's not back in the lineup yet, but Robert is for the first time since leaving for the World Baseball Classic. Obviously, Eloy Jimenez has been with the team since losing with the Dominican Republic in the quarterfinal. Um, you know, played well so far this spring training. He's hitting 435, so just absolutely unreal stuff. He hasn't hit a home run yet, which is a little strange, but just absolutely crushing the ball. Um, so far with the 435 batting average, you know, the home run will come with the type of power that he has. So, um, really, really cool. And in between talking about the White Sox and the Cubs in this spring training, we are going to bring on someone who is very special to me, someone who I like bringing in on an open mic anytime, anyway, and that's Aldo Gandia. Aldo, welcome. You are currently muted. <laughs> that right away how are you man uh, how are you i'm doing great i uh, i love the fact that you're opening up your microphones uh to our guests and i see that foster just uh came in so we'll bring him in in a minute i just had a couple of questions for you uh because i always love listening uh to you talk about baseball but also just interacting with you before and after shows sometimes about baseball so Tony La Russa was a mess from the very first day that it was announced that he was going to be the manager of the White Sox. I had my doubts about him. Um, you know, we know what his past record was, and we knew that the game was passing him by just based on some of the comments he said about today's style of player. Um, how many uh, victories more do you think the new manager is going to mean to the White Sox? Because personally, I can count, I don't know, somewhere between five to 10 games last season that I can say Tony La Russa had a really, really big role in those losses. So what do you think? Yeah. So there's absolutely, I was with you on the five to 10 range. Um, my thing. So Tony La Russa, he, he was an issue for the White Sox. And I normally think that outside of the three or four best managers in baseball and the three or four worst, a manager should be able to just set the lineup and pull back and let the talent on the field speak for itself, especially for a team like the White Sox who are loaded with talent. The problem is I would consider La Russa in that three or four worst managers of the season last year. And that's why. So I, I'm with you on the five to 10. I'll probably lean it more towards five because although I do like Pedro Grafal, he is a rookie manager who has been a bench coach, you know, looking for his first opportunity. He got it. He will make mistakes too. Mm -hmm. And you, you just hope that, you know, he doesn't walk guys who have a one, two count and are a strike away from hitting pine, no matter who they are. And, you know, one of them was Trey Turner, who has been on fire in this world baseball classic. But um, yeah, I, I would stick with five, five victories in favor of the White Sox just by switching the manager alone because I do think there was probably eight, nine, ten last year that were an issue with Tony La Russa, um, which is super annoying because if it is ten, we're talking about 91 wins versus 81 wins and for sure going to the postseason instead of Cleveland or, you know, even as a wild card team. But, you know, they need the players to bounce back in a lot of ways this year too. I do think that could come with a result of the new culture, but – I'm I'm leaning five with because of the rookie coach thing that they got coming in here now. Yeah, I think that's a good number. Uh, better to be conservative than uh, too hopeful. 
But I, I got just one more comment about Larusa. I really, I suspect that he wanted to quit. He wanted to leave the game of baseball because he knew his faculties were not as sharp as they used to be. There's that embarrassing video of the fan telling him, get that pitcher out of there. And then seconds later, Larusa is like following his command. And he dared to say after the game, you know, that he didn't hear the fan when clearly he heard him. And there were other instances where he clearly didn't know the rules and so forth. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a very prideful guy and he didn't want to go out that way. And so he probably told Jerry Reinsdorf, I need to get out of here. We'll make up some something about my health or whatever. Uh, so that's just speculation on my part. My other question for you is at the All-Star break, how many wins will the, your favorite team, the Chicago White Sox, have? And um, I, I wanted to look real quickly to see how typically what is the average of wins in a, at an all-star break. And I think it's about 58 or so, but I could be wrong. I know that the record, the Red Sox set the record for a record for most wins at the all-star break at 66 wins. Um, and that was back in, five years ago. So what do you think? I mean, I know the White Sox are not going to get anywhere near 66, but what do you, how many wins at the All-Star break? <laughs> no, there are people predicting them to win 66 games, like in depth, <laughs> which those people are off the rocker. Like just, they're, they're not going to be a bad baseball team in 2023 by no. any no. Um, I, You know, for the All-Star break, I see them with 48, 49 wins. You know, if, if they're at 50, 51, I'll be thrilled because then they'll be at a pace for about 90 throughout the whole season mm -hmm. and, you know, give or take, uh, you know, I'm kind of right now in the high eighties for the white Sox, unless they get off to a really like my opinion right now, it's so weird because the first week or two of the season could really change the trajectory of the entire season. Right now I have them at 86, 87 wins. If they start the season 10 and two, then we're starting to, you know, think like, okay, maybe this team will bounce back. Last year was a fluke, but I'm thinking by the all-star break, 48, 49 wins. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. I've written it down here. And uh, so we'll uh, check in at, at the All-Star break. And now I'm going to just uh, get out of the way and bring in Foster Covers. Foster Covers. You're going to have to lower your You're going to have to lower your heart. Because we get an echo. Because yeah. we get an echo, yeah. Do you have headsets? Do you have headsets? No. Okay. No. So, okay. So there's going to be an there's echo. There's going to be an echo. So I'll, I'll hand so you over to I'll hand you over to can you lower it? Can you lower it? How's that? Testing one two. Testing one two. I can hear you. <laughs> I know you can. I, I can hear you, can. you too. <laughs> well, I got it. I got it all the way down. That's as or, or should I talk softer? Because that can go off. That's as low as I can go. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's a little better. Yeah, that's a little better. I'll turn it over to uh, fucking Foster, who is one of the great barflies and, and a, a overall great guy that we met a few months ago at our bar room for party. Take it over, guys. Absolutely. Foster, thank you for joining the show. It's good to have you on camera. Oh, no sweat, man. I I've, uh, I don't know if you remember, we met at Rosemont. Um, you and Frank and you, you guys got me back into hockey and basketball because I have not been following it for quite a while, man. Frankie has that effect on people. I wasn't into basketball very much either. And between him and my girlfriend's a Bulls fan, I think I'm starting to become more into it again. I enjoy the game. All of them. I, I kind of, 
I kind of got sick because I know a lot of people that they, they can't afford to watch them even, you know, through the pay process is to watch all these teams. Now, football is the only one really you can watch on TV most of the time. Um, but I, I'm getting back into sport, man, because as a kid growing up, I used to play seven or eight games a day, you know, every day, man. We'd go to the park and just play baseball all day from eight in the morning. Wouldn't even go home for lunch. Parents looking for you. They know where you're at. You're at the baseball field. That's what we did in Absolutely. the 70s, man. It was it was just an awesome time. And uh, Sox and Cubs, it used to be great. I, I, I've been to, to so many games. I'm go, just going back, giving my brief take on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I yeah. missed I missed the old Comiskey at one point. I, I I I'm a Cubs fan, but I've been to more Sox games. Um, I, I just I love baseball, but but the fact of what has happened with the sport, and and it's not it's probably just me, because everything advances. But I, I get aggravated when you get uh, a certain portion of the population that can't even follow one of the easiest sports to learn and play. And you can do it almost anywhere. Even if you don't have a diamond or a field, if you got a glove and a ball, you got some type of game, you know? Um, so I love baseball. And I, I heard you talking about the world baseball classic earlier. And what I really like about that is not only the national pride is the unity that it brings to every country. You get all these people from here, the U S we got people from all over the world. We all come together as one and, and root on our team, man. Um, damn Ohotani. I really wanted the USA to pull that game off, man. And people are yelling at me for that, but because they're like, oh, no, the Cubs are going to get him. And I'm like, nothing's guaranteed, man. But I, I appreciate you guys being on. Uh, I said this last week is like all these shows that, that I watch on the Barroom Network, a lot of them hit me at a time in my life when I was – depressed man things are going on life life just keeps happening no matter what we do i wish i could spend more time doing this because i love doing this kind of stuff and i will eventually you know god willing man but uh you guys are just awesome keep keep doing what you're doing although i got a thing with the socks 47 52 games by the all-star break and I, and i don't know if if i'm insane but i haven't looked at them as as, as deep as i intend to but as a Cubs fan, and I'm not really just a Cubs fan, I'm a Chicago's fan. I know more about the Sox this year than I than I do with the Cubs because I just haven't been following it. I you know I'm a football fanatic, man. That's what I've followed since I was I remember the day we I got the paper and we drafted Peyton, you know, that kind of stuff. So um I don't have too much time to stay on. I just wanted to spit that out because I really enjoy all the programs on this network, man. I'm even doing science fiction. I'm not a science fiction guy. You guys, you guys can make somebody do shit that they don't want to get involved with. Was not big back into hockey. You and Frank got me into hockey, man. I love, I love the '80s and the early '90s uh, Hawks teams, man, because they were they were the shit. Not only that, they they owned they all owned one of the bars over here on the north side that we'd go hang out. So it was just a great time in life. Um, life gets in the way, but I'm getting back to the point where I could start looking at things that I, I would love to enjoy doing again. We're only here so long. All we become is a few memories for a few people, man. We make those good and enjoy, live, laugh, and love. So there shouldn't be any argument, man. We're all together in this, man. I, I just, again, thank you guys for being on the air, man. We appreciate you very much, Aldo. You're still muted again. <laughs> I was just going to ask Foster real quick. Uh, are you, You're in your 60s, right? I am not, although it's my... 
It's my 39th, well, my 20th and 39th annual birthday. Okay. Something like that. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm going to be 57 in April. Okay. But I, I, I kind of started my own life and was working and doing things at like nine. It was the situations that can happen to you. So I'm young, but I've, I've, I've been around. I mean, um, was married in high school, dude. <laughs> Just, you know, things, things, uh, things you. happen, but I, I, I'm grateful to be here today, man, because I was given multiple chances. You know, we talked about Jalen Carter last week. Mm -hmm. um, everybody deserves a second chance, I believe. Yep. At least two. I've probably had 50 or 100, man. I'm blessed, man. So. <laughs> You've had a couple more than I have, and I probably have 50 more than Vinny. <laughs> Absolutely. We appreciate you, though. Uh, yeah, Foster, just real quick question. I, 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 based on what you have said, I, I think baseball was better when we were younger. And I don't mean to sound like those old fuddy-duddies and so forth. But I grew up watching 60s, 70s, and 80s baseball, and there was just a charm to the game then. You know, you had so many superstars. The salaries didn't get out of control. Uh, it, there was, you know, it, just better storylines. But I truly do believe the World Baseball Classic proved to me that baseball can get back to what we used to experience back then because there's so much talent around the world. We just need some good forward-thinking people. Maybe, you know, the World Series should really be a World Series, you know? And so there's just a lot of great possibilities. I hope I'm around long enough to see baseball get back to its glory. And I'm sure Vinny is saying to me, Jesus Christ, these old fuddy-duddies, man. <laughs> no, I, I like it. I, I think baseball is the only sport that I feel that way about. And I wasn't I – wasn't, you know, around, I was born in 94, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm this wise, you know, older person. I'm not, I'm actually incredibly dumb, but <laughs> you know, with baseball, I do think some of the old days, I hear the old stories and it just sounded like a better, like today, I think the NHL today is better than it ever was. The, Kale McCarr is Bobby Orr reincarnated. I know some older folks don't want to hear that, but he is. And Connor McDavid has more skill than Wayne Gretzky does. I watched him on display. He scored two last night. He was the first player since Gretzky to be an Oiler player with 60. Like, it's just the game today, they've all grown where baseball seems to just be stuck in the mud. And it's annoying. And, you know, guys like me, we're, and Aldo and even you, Foster, we're, we're here to elevate it back into the old direction and make it good again. Good job, man. Uh, Foster, you said you're going to run, so uh, any final words before you go? Yeah, I, I just I want I want I want this sport to be available to the masses, man, like it used to be. And and, and somebody help me out because it's the, the baseball, football, basketball. It's nothing without the fans. There's there's just guys playing with nobody in the stands. So, like Eldo, I'm sure you remember. I used to take six bucks, man, and I'd go to the Cubs game, sit in the bleachers, and go home on that. And I'd get real lucky, and I'd have, like, somebody be able to buy me a beer on top of it, even though I was underage. Not saying that that's the way to go, but six bucks, and it was a whole five, six hours of my day, man. Yeah. I wish my kids could do it on 25 or 30, yeah. but you can't. That's that's my only real beef with a lot of the sports. Right. Is and they're nothing it. without the fans, but yet a lot of them just keep, we'll pay it, we'll pay it. I mean, right. I stopped following baseball. When the Cubs were taken off the air, I got one last thing, Vinny. I got a shirt behind me, and it says, Go Packers, go, and take the fucking Brewers with you, too. 
<laughs> no offense, but it's what I got, man. That's funny. I love it. I love it. <laughs> You're a great guy, Foster. Love it, man. <laughs> Look at that. You can see it. Everybody can see it. Yeah. That's gold. <laughs> nice. They oh, actually, I actually got lit on fire at a bar for wearing that shirt by two people at the same time, so I don't wear it anymore. <laughs> True story. I don't blame I you. Can I can you guys, I got to run, man. Stay safe, and I'll, you'll hear from me whether you like it or not. So Awesome. awesome. Later. Adios. Everybody Adios. stay safe out there, man. You too. Thanks. I love how that he is Foster covers. What a great guy, right? I love how he put fucking Fosters as his name. That's my favorite part of the whole show. Fucking Fosters. <laughs> yeah. Those of you on the audio, he identified himself as fucking Foster on his uh, video screen. Hey, but I, I just wanted to comment one more time on this, this whole topic we were just uh, brushing over. You know, he makes a good point about the prices of things. You know, we grew up in an era uh, where baseball was almost free, like getting to the ballpark, it was, you know, cents, you know, you could pay 65 cents and, and buy a souvenir. And, and now everything is so expensive. And then also on television, now you're going to pay for it. And, and uh, it, it, part of the popularity of baseball was that it was available free. All you needed was a TV with some rabbit ears, turn it on. And there was a baseball game on, especially here in Chicago, you would see the Cubs during the day, the White Sox at night. I loved both those teams because I was consuming both games a day for half the season. So, um, you know, baseball has to figure out a way to reach the average man again. Guys like me and you and not make it so difficult where we have to save money to go to a baseball game. We have to budget our tight budget dollars to watch games on TV. It's it's not right. And uh, hopefully some people with better sense will 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 uh, take over how that that's all handled. Absolutely. And I think the players today have made it a little bit more interesting. It's starting to get back to like not be you know, so boring in a lot of people's eyes, but it's got to be more accessible. Blackouts, really? I pay all this money and I can't watch the White Sox, the Cubs, and the Brewers using MLB TV. Uh, you know, all the teams that are local. I have friends in Wisconsin. It's the same thing in every sport. Friends in Wisconsin, they can't watch the Wild, the Blackhawks, or the Red Wings on their package. But guess what? None of those three teams are on cable in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. yeah. We got to figure it out. Yep. And then, you know, I understand I've worked in corporate America. I understand that their goal is to pr uh, try to prioritize stuff for profit, profit, profit. But at a certain point, you also got to think about the consumer. Are we asking them to pay too much? Are we restricting access to them? Even when they're paying, like you just said with these blackouts, even when they're paying, we're restricting access to them and, and making it difficult for them to find our product. That's not good business. No. So the, uh, a, a nice little segment there, Vinny, where we were bitching about baseball and, and how it's wrong. We could probably do a three-hour show on that topic. We really, really could. I mean, people, they get used to the same old analysis and hearing what the Cubs and the White Sox are doing in spring training. And, you know, we'll be doing plenty of that next week when we start previewing what's going to go on on the field. But I think people do like to hear the realness of it a little bit, and that's why we like to bring it here at the Barroom Network doing those kinds of things. Hey, I got one more question for you, and then I'll let you uh, finish up the show. Um, empiring has always been uh, an issue. So we've gotten now where there's video replays and so forth. 
what have you heard about like computers calling balls and strikes, artificial intelligence taking a bigger role in the empiring officiating of sports, but primarily baseball, what we're talking here today. Have you heard anything? Because I do think that's probably going to be the next big step in, uh, in, in uh, officiating uh, sports games. It's coming. I do believe it's coming because they've already started to practice it in the minor leagues. They have the technology where they can put a piece in your ear. And as soon as a pitch comes, someone who is watching it on a monitor with the technology ball strike and the umpire can just call the call as he hears it in his ear. Uh, I, I think, I don't know if they're just getting progressively worse at doing their jobs or Mm. if it was always this bad. And because of social media and the social outrage that comes on when there's a really, really bad call that impacts games. uh, There's another aspect to it that I think is going to really push it in the right direction. And that's sports gambling. People Mm. who lose hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe more because of a bad call, because an umpire tried to make it about himself or got pissed off at a player. And so he called one low and inside a strike. It was even though it was clearly a ball that's affecting gambling and gamblers. They bet based on what they think is going to happen fairly in a baseball game. You can't be having umpires swing calls like that. So unless there's a better report card that comes out of this season and people continue to lose money because, or people continue to lose money because of this issue, I think, there's a real chance that we start to swing this in the direction of robot umps or however you want to put it, uh, something in some, some of these guys' ears. I mean, we see it in every sport, though. The Super Bowl was heavily impacted on a weird flag late in the game. We see it in hockey all the time, guys. They don't call things late in the game, but they overcall things early in a game. It's like, well, why don't you just officiate the game the way it should be officiated all game long, no matter what? That's a huge problem in the NHL. If you trip someone in the final two minutes of the game, why shouldn't you be called for a penalty just because you don't want a power play goal to decide the game that makes no sense why can a power play goal be scored in the first period but not the third they all count the same it just makes no sense so there's all sorts of different ways you can argue about this stuff and i think they need every sport needs to take a long look in the mirror especially as sports gambling becomes more prevalent and there aren't just you know sports gambling used to be like a community where it was like underground and like you were frowned upon or you weren't you know in high society if you were a sports gambler now these 15 year olds walking along their high school they get their parents credit card everyone's sports gambling now you know kids adults people like you me people who have medium incomes lower end incomes high incomes everyone's sports gambling so that's going to be a big effect on it i think yeah, that's a great, great point. Um, you know, I just recently got Apple TV and they've got a series called Untold. And there's like six or seven of them, different sports documentary topics. And one of them is on uh, Tim Donahue, the NBA official who was convicted of uh, 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 gambling on NBA games. And, and I forgot what the formal charges were, but everyone knew he was basically, he was cheating. He was telling teams. Now he contends in the documentary that he was just telling people information. Hey, this guy's not going to play, or this guy was out partying all night. And so they would, he would provide information for the gamblers to, to that would encourage them to bet on a certain team. And the winning percentage was close to 80%. So, but my reason for bringing that up is in the documentary, he says, you know, uh, that the NBA 
would tell him, you know, easy on the calls on Jordan. Last time you officiated a game on him, you called too many fouls on him. We want our superstars in the in the game for the entire. He claims that that was happening from the NBA offices. And while he has no concrete proof, what did happen during his investigation is that Stern moved quickly to uh, quell that case because people were starting to talk about maybe there should be the government looking into the NBA and are they really doing this and so forth. And so you just touched on a big thing. This whole gambling thing has to be very, very uh, carefully monitored and also uh, factored into the officiating of games to make sure that it's 100% foolproof. So it's, again, man, we could talk about this for another hour, brother, but uh, this has been fun. Uh, uh, anytime you want to do this again, and I encourage everybody to uh, DM Vinny Parisi, DM me and say, hey, I want to be on one of the upcoming Crosstown Crosstalk shows. It'd be fun talking baseball with you. Absolutely. Fans are always welcome. We kind of realize that it works smoothly with the 100th episode of Bar Down. So anybody, you can always reach out to me. And Aldo, I think it's honestly, it's a good point in the show where we could just close it down right now together because we talked about the White Sox in spring training, the Cubs. We went over the World Baseball Classic pretty in depth. I think we did a good job covering it on Crosstown Crosstalk with the coverage um, throughout the tournament. And, you know, I can't wait for opening day next Thursday. I can't encourage everyone enough to tune into the show next Thursday at 2 p.m. That'll follow Bar Down Talking Hockey one day before 2 p.m. as we start to really close down the NHL season. So thank you for coming on. It was fun. One more promo. What's happening this Monday? Monday, Monday, Monday. I believe I'm coming on with my friends, Joe Mandel and Steven Zim Zimmerman for the first episode of South Burbs Hitman. Well, it's the second episode of South Burbs Hitman this season, but the first one, it's kind of like a relaunch or a, a grand opening. We had a soft opening. Now we have a grand opening. It's this Monday, and we're going to be getting you set for Chicago White Sox baseball specifically. Very much looking forward to it. Monday, 8 p.m., I think we set for the time. So it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you guys do a great job with that. And so for the first time and only time in Crosstown Crosstalk history, I'm going to sign off and say goodbye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye. And as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing.